Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. Now I can preach it like this, okay? Repent! Or I can tell you, change your mind. Preaching repentance in the area of consciousness of sins is dishonoring the work of Jesus. Repentance means you realize you're guilty, that you deserve the wrath and punishment of God. You begin to realize that sin is in you, and you turn your back on it in every shape and form. You renounce the world, whatever the cost, and you deny yourself and take up the cross and go after Christ. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. No, 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 that's all wrong. This is the Sean Hannity program, and I'm your host, Rush Limbaugh. Hey, that's my truth. This is Wretched Radio. (laughs) Whether I believe it or not, that's what it is. But these days, living in a postmodern world, whatever you want to believe is That is the culture that we are currently immersed in. And those are the people to whom we must bring the word of truth, the exclusive gospel of Jesus Christ, and to persuade people that you cannot make up your own reality. We simply try to study reality to understand what it actually is. But these days in a postmodern world, You make reality whatever you want it to be. Along comes Jesus Christ, who answers the very old question, what is truth? And he answers it not by saying, well, here's the construct. Here's the concept. Here's the philosophy. Here's the logical system to get you there. No, he answers it in himself. Truth is not a thing. Truth is not abstract. Truth is a person. Jesus Christ himself. Let's go to KSU. Met a very polite, nice young man. He drives within the lines, so apparently he believes those lines are true. He he believes that when you go to Starbucks and they tell you it's $5, he doesn't believe it's eight cents. He lives in one world, but he's forced to believe another thing and that all truth is valid truth and is a it's Plato. You make it up as you go. This was my witness encounter with Luke. You know, I grew up like Christian, so I would say like from a Christian perspective, like truth is like God brought us here. God put us on the earth and uh, he died on the cross for us. And um, from like our perspective, though, truth is just I mean, it just depends on your perspective, really, like how you grew up, what's your experiences in life. And like truth is more so like it can be really what you make of it, I guess. So can I make my own truth? Let me tell you what I believe. Okay, I believe that if before I die, I visit Pittsburgh 10 times and eat four pounds of chocolate at the Pittsburgh Chocolate Factory for all of eternity, I will spend in Hershey, Pennsylvania, eating Hershey's Kisses for all of eternity. That's what I believe is true. Am I right? See, that's basically my point where I was like, that's your perspective. It doesn't affect me what you believe. And a certain sense, I guess it does like, but if you believe that, then I mean, that's all you like, I respect that. And like, who am I to say like, what's true and what's wrong? Like truth is just honestly, whatever you want to believe in. And like, if that works for you, if that makes your like life better and like you can go through your life, like, Hey, like I have something that I believe in and something that like I can like put my trust in and you have purpose in life. 
then I guess finding purpose in life is like the main overall purpose and truth, I guess. Let me test that theory, okay? If I believe that clubbing small children to death is fun and I benefit from it and I enjoy it and it's my truth that it's okay, would you agree with my truth? Okay, well, that's getting into laws and like, okay, obviously stuff like that is just like, just well, no, we, I, I'll, I'll work with you on that. But why is that? Why is that morally incorrect? Because as humans, like we grow up and like, it's like, I don't know, human like morale, like you just like have an instinct to like do good things. And but if my instinct is to do that, then who is anybody to say that I'm wrong? Because with the whole truth thing, see with that, you're having an actual like effect and like a hurt on other people like you're affecting the children you're killing but if your truth like is just like in like a religion or something like that and you're not like affecting anybody else then like you can believe like whatever you want if it if that's well, what well, I, I agree but i think you might be jumping categories just a little bit okay basically what you're saying is if it hurts somebody it's not acceptable correct sure but i'm gonna press on that all right, all right luke why? So what if I hurt somebody? Who cares? I mean, you wouldn't want somebody to hurt you. I mean, like, each person has their own story, their own life, their own, like, I guess, like, in a selfish sense, like, everybody's, like, doing their own thing. Like, everybody has a life. Everybody has their own purpose and stuff. I, I understand. But if truth is up for grabs for anybody to define, then who would you be to impose your values on me who likes to club small children? So what if it hurts a kid? Who cares? If there is no objective truth, then clubbing a child is not an issue of right or wrong. It's merely an issue of preference. You can say, I don't prefer beating up kids, but if you do, that's your preference. But if there's an objective standard of truth and morality, then we would have an arbiter to determine who's meeting the standard or not. You track it with me? So are you advocating for, like, complete, like, libertarianism? Like, you just do whatever you want, like, whoever you are? No, what I, what I would suggest to you is that without some sort of moral authority, there is no morality. For instance, if there were no signs on this street right next to us, no speed limits, no stop signs, I could barrel through here at 100 miles an hour because nobody said it's wrong. But if the legal authority posts a sign that says 15 miles an hour and stop there, now I have to do it. And if I blast through here at 100 miles an hour, I can be tagged and be found guilty because the authority has said you will go this fast and no faster. And I think the same thing is true with morality. Unless there's an authority who says you don't beat up little kids, then it's merely preference and I can do what I want. That's what I'm driving at. Okay, but so like for you personally, you're saying like, I don't understand like what your like, like standpoint is. So you're saying like, I haven't, I haven't, I really haven't shared any sort of view with you. Okay, that's what we're, we're talking. Well, I could, I can share. Do you want me to share my understanding? Yeah, I'm, of I'm wondering like your perspective, I guess, because I mean, I'm not, I'm in such a young stage in life and such like college is like a find your way type of deal. Yeah. So like I've been listening to like the like. You know, I'm young. I haven't really got into much like like purpose, truth and like deep stuff like that because 
for me, life more recently has become more of like a serious thing, you know, like in high school and as a kid, like life, like, you know, you're just trying to out there have fun. That's the truth in life. Have fun as a kid. But when you get older, like it's more about like, you know, job, family, like providing for yourself and others. And like also like it's funny you ask because I've been doing so much looking recently about like what is like earth like is this a simulation is stuff like that conspiracies like flatter I'm not saying I'm a flat earther but looking into like just like purpose of the earth and stuff like that like where we came from can I pay you a compliment for sure <laughs> how old are you uh 18 you're 18 yes sir. okay um you just exhibited a tremendous amount of humility and that's really rare for an 18 year old to say I don't really have this stuff figured out. I'm trying to, but I don't think I've got it. I mean, you're asking a question that like, who really can have it figured out? So now let's just say your death date comes whenever it is. You walk out, Mm -hmm. that bus hits you, you get mowed down. You are instantly standing before God. And the books on Luke's life are opened up. And he knows every thought, every word, every deed, every deed done in darkness will be brought into the light. Will God find you innocent or guilty? Well, I mean, considering God doesn't, like, from my knowledge, God doesn't judge you whether or not, like, the bad things you've done, because we all do bad things. So I would say yes, because I believe. Yes what? Yes, he like, he would forgive me because, like, I believe. But, I mean, he would, like, looking over, if it was just based thoroughly on, like, whether I sin or not or do bad things, then I would say no. Because everybody does bad things. All right, so then help me out. You just said that God would forgive you. It seems to me that if I stood before a judge and I was guilty and I said, but judge, I believe in you, he's going to say, well, that's kind of weird. Frankly, you're going to jail because you've got a debt to society and you're going to pay it. Why would God let you off the hook? Because you believe in like a greater good, I guess, like you believe in him and like your life purpose was like I guess like rooted in him and not like I mean like it's really unfair to compare like a jury sentence in real life to like a outer worldly like well I, I agree with that but only in so far as this is a lesser version of the heavenly reality it'll be much more accurate much more thorough much higher standards than an earthly court. Did you catch that? This is an example, a perfect demonstration of what universities try to instill into students. Math, true. Science, verifiable. Religion, abstract. Because that realm, it's kind of the realm of la-la land. Only things that are empirical, observable, testable. Those are the only things that qualify for truth. Luke personifies that worldview, so we will continue our conversation with this postmodern young man to introduce him to the person of truth next on Wretched Radio. Confession, normally numbers aren't my favorite subject, but these numbers make me happy. MediShare is affordable biblical health sharing with twice the satisfaction rate of MediShare members versus traditional health insurance plans. The average family saves $500 per month. Over $3 billion worth of medical bills have been shared 
among MediShare members, which, by the way, MediShare has been around for a quarter of a century. Don't forget, telehealth is available at MediShare, and it will take you two minutes to receive a quote to see what you and your family could be saving every single month with MediShare. Affordable, biblical health sharing. Please spend a very worthwhile two minutes at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. Thank you for joining us for Wretched Radio today. When is the last time you took a gander around the Wretched Store? If it's been a while, I'd like to urge you to do so today. The Wretched Store is home to tons of great resources, books, booklets, videos, MP3s, and curriculum. And I'll go out on the limb and say that everybody will be able to find something they'll love and learn from in the Wretched Store. So take some time and peruse all we have available. Wretched.org slash store. All of the resources that you'll find are only made possible by the support of our gospel partners. We can't produce the content that we're able to produce without that ongoing support. So while you're visiting the Wretched store at wretched.org, would you also consider taking a look at our donate page by clicking the give link at the top of the page? There you'll find all the information you will ever need regarding becoming a gospel partner. Wretched.org slash store, wretched.org slash donate. Wretched, amazing grace, amazing gospel. Here's a preborn story that starts out a little on the bitter side, but ends up being very sweet. Neighborhood pastor's daughter ends up pregnant, and she was very abortion-minded, not wanting to face the consequences of her indiscretion. And she met her baby on the ultrasound. She just wept uncontrollably. Couldn't do it. That baby's alive today because an ultrasound was underwritten for a girl. And otherwise, even though she was a Christian, saw abortion as the easy answer. That is the power of an ultrasound when a woman in crisis sees her baby. 80% of the time she chooses life for just $28, you could provide one of those ultrasounds. But I would ask you, how many ultrasounds might you be able to provide? The more ultrasounds, the more saved babies. Please consider what you can do at preborn.org slash wretched, preborn.org slash wretched. Revelation God has revealed himself through many means, including the conscience. God has given each person a conscience so that they can understand his moral standard and their failure to keep that standard. While the conscience can be deadened and twisted by sin, every human being has an innate knowledge of God's law. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. What do science, math, and religion have in common? This is Wretched Radio. Visited KSU, Kennesaw State University. I did go in there. Like talking to these students. They are polite. They are friendly. And frankly, they're actually interested in talking about the subject of God. And so it was. I met a young man named Luke. And he personified postmodernism. And he was under the delusion that science and math, they exist in one realm, religion in another. No, they don't. Now, granted, I can have all kinds of beliefs and we can have disparate beliefs, but that doesn't mean that beliefs aren't either true or false. The postmodern mindset, and Luke demonstrates this so clearly, says it's true in the realm of religion, but just for you. 
which we know is absolutely ridiculous. But that is an argument that seems to have won the day. And so it is. We're going to continue my conversation with postmodern Luke at Kennesaw State University. See, I think the reason, Luke, you know, we're talking about truth, that we've got court systems. I think that a lot of things that happen on earth are a mirrored reflection of what's going on in heaven. We have justice because God is just. We're in relationships because God is in a relationship with himself. We work because God works. We're artistic because God is artistic. We communicate because God communicates. So we reflect him in those senses. God is extremely just. And he's going to make sure that every deed that has been done that is against his law, he's going to deal with it in a court. And nobody's going to get off the hook with a clever lawyer. So, Luke, tell me, based on your background, your knowledge, why would God let you go? Think back. Yeah, I'm going to have to think about this one. To Easter. I'm giving you a hint. Uh, because he took the he took his sin, all of our sin away from us. There it is. You broke God's law. Jesus paid your fine. Correct. That's how God can be just and the justifier of those who believe in him. If God just lets people go, he's not just. But he's provided a way to be just and loving and merciful all at the same time. Sent his son, took on human form, died a cruel death on your behalf. That can get presented to God as payment in full for your crimes against him. And he can set you free because of what Jesus did. That's called the gospel. That's good news. And Luke, because we're talking about truth here, I would suggest to you that that story is true definitively beyond the shadow of a doubt for many reasons but one of them is it answers all of the big questions of life coherently where did you come from why are you here how are you supposed to live what's going to happen when i die you're a thoughtful kid so sorry i called you kid ouch that just that hurt me more than it hurt you i promise you you're a thoughtful young man as you look at all of these worldviews, see if they answer those questions in a way that doesn't contradict each other and that makes sense. Because here's what the Bible says. God thought of you before eternity began. He made you. He knit you together in your mother's womb. He formed you. He's given you life. He's given you a lot of good things. He's given you a creation to let you know that he exists. He's put you into a church where you've heard the good news of the gospel. He wants you to believe in him wholeheartedly and live for him the rest of your life. That's your purpose in life. And when you die, you go to heaven to be with the one who made you and loves you more than anybody else on the planet. So when you study these other worldviews, it tends to get a little hinky with harmonizing all of those things. For sure. That's my personal downfall. I definitely need to like look more into like generalize like pros and cons of like all the religions and stuff. Because for me, the biggest thing that I struggle with is like growing up in a Christian home can be like as good and as bad like on either end because I grew up just like where that was like the automatic truth and like I didn't really find it on my own so I guess I struggle with you know there could be a kid in Syria who grew up believing in Islam and if he's over there and he's willing to say like die for his religion who's to say that he's wrong and I'm right you know that's our whole conversation for sure right what is truth no but here's here's a challenge to you on that 
Luke, if you follow that like really doggedly, you're going to have to travel to the outer edges of the universe to make sure that there isn't another truth or religion out there. I would suggest to you that your search for truth can actually stop when you find it. Once I've concluded this is definitively true, Jesus rose from the dead for sinners, there's no reason to go look at every other religion that exists. There's thousands of them. When you find the truth, search is done. When you look for your car keys, when you find them, you don't keep looking. And if you found the truth, your search is over. So the question then is, is Jesus the truth? I mean, I would answer yes, but... Oh, the butt word. I just, Ah. I struggle with like possibilities and like other religions and like. But if you'll track with me, I think we can eliminate those options for you. If Jesus Christ is God and if Jesus Christ walked this earth and did indeed get brutally beaten, spat upon, mocked and hung on a cross for you so your sins can be forgiven. And he claimed, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. That is either correct, and all of those other systems are wrong, or he's wrong. That's that's what you're left with. So you need to either fully embrace the deity of Jesus Christ or reject it, because he doesn't give you that option. I agree, but I don't think it's, like, wrong in any way to, like, question, look for evidence and, like, strengthen argument. So, like, like look for proof and stuff. I don't think that's really, like... I'm going to tell you something really wacky. Okay, this, this is going to make you go, oh, man. Understanding all of these things, an un, the Bible says an unregenerate man can't get them. God's order is not, all right, think everything through, logic, reason, examination, figure out every single world system, weigh them, balance them, then come to a conclusion, even if it's me, terrific. And you figured it out, and now you're following the right system. That's, that's, that's not God's order. God says, you must be born again, and then it's going to make sense to you. It's the opposite, because these are we're having spiritual conversations right now, and spiritual things cannot be discerned by somebody who's not spiritual. So I know that, like, kind of flies into your logic and reason center, but God says, I want you to humble yourself like a child. That's what he's after. I want you to humble yourself, and I'll, I'll, I'll reveal to you what truth is progressively as you go. All right, your take on all of this is what? Very informative and a good, like, eye-opener, I guess. Okay, can we, like, without this, like, being the interview, man, I would I would just love for you to consider these things and think it through, all right? We asked the first question, what is truth? Jesus said, I'm the truth. He didn't write it down. It's not in a book someplace where you can go visit it and read about it. He said, I'm it. I embody truth. So the answer to the question, what is truth, is not a phrase or an ideology. It's a person. Jesus Christ is the truth. And that was the day I understood Campus Ministries. That conversation with a young man named Luke, who was open at least to hearing my religious perspective, 
he was actually asking good questions. And when I left that encounter, I remember feeling rather heavy hearted. Oh, just to be on this campus for a longer amount of time, to be here regularly, to be accessible, even to a kid like Luke or to a thousand other young people who are just plain confused and they realize it. They actually are understanding it. And I think increasingly they are understanding that what they are being taught in class does not comport with reality. And they are feeling like, ah, I'm being told that there's 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 no morals and values, only that which we created as a culture. But I know for sure that the culture that created Nazi Germany was wrong. Ah! And oh, to be there to help them sort out their worldview. I have a friend and she regularly goes to campus ministry. This, this is Jen. She, she heads up the, the, the What Time is Purple program distributing booklets onto university campuses. And she goes to the campus all the time. And I remember thinking, okay, you know, that's your thing. That's what you're into. But I remember after this conversation with Luke, I remember going, I understand why Jen likes to go there regularly. She's out there every single week. I get it. I understand it. Having a presence, being with these kids and answering these questions because they're perplexed, they're confused, and their feet are firmly planted in midair. In other words, they are utterly confused, and they're looking for an adult who would actually care to take the time and explain these things to them earnestly and respectfully. I would plead with you, if you have the opportunity to have a regular presence on a campus, especially in connection with a good local church, please Come up with your game plan. Get out there. Establish a beachhead and go there week after week after week after week so that you can meet Luke and Sarah and Jane and Bill and explain to them the truth. I'm telling you, they are open and interested and we can help them not just sort out their thinking, but to change their believing. This is Wretched Radio. This is Ratchet Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hanks. Okay, so here's a story that has some irony to it. A transgender activist, a woman who lives as a man and has for the last 30 years, is warning parents that today's transgender movement is deceptive and harmful for children. She said the transitioning of children is a form of indoctrination, and she also has a quote in this story that I can appreciate. Quote, I am not a biological man. I never will be. I'm very honest about that. So why are we teaching kids to lie? She also said terms that are being changed, like period people and birthing people, those are deceptive and unfair to women. And so, okay, while I obviously disagree with this lady's lifestyle, she seems to be level-headed when it comes to how dangerous this stuff is for children. And we can for sure find common ground with someone willing to admit the same truth we've been warning about. Okay, so this next story can get a little muddy in the details. A University of Central Florida professor was fired in 2020, or maybe he wasn't fired? I'm not real sure about that. But the gist of the story is that the professor was publicly skeptical of the BLM narrative by sending tweets that asked for hard proof of systemic racism claims. And activist students, well, they were very upset that someone had the nerve to have an opinion different from the one that culture is telling them to believe. So they complained loudly. And the professor was fired or suspended or something. I'm not quite clear on that part, but what I am clear on is that this week an arbitrator reinstated the professor and awarded him back pay. And the university says while they will reinstate him, they will not admit any wrongdoing. And I see some lawsuits on the horizon 
from the professor. Well, Canada has always been on the cutting edge of progress, and the transgender children craze, or child abuse as I like to call it, is so extensive in Canada that doctors are being instructed to go ahead and prescribe puberty blockers to kids before they're seen by a specialist. So children are being blindly given hormones before anyone actually sees them. Okay, so help me remember why people are so against states banning transgender procedures in minors. Why are progressives so up in arms over that? Well, it's because we live in a dark and depraved world. Well, I'm not sure if you've heard the name Katherine Glenn Foster yet or seen this clip. She's a pro-life mom who was recently questioned by Congress, specifically in this clip, Congressman Jamie Raskin of Maryland. The scope of the questioning was regarding a nationwide abortion ban. And, well, Miss Foster very calmly asked the question herself, and it shut down the entire conversation. Openly calling for a nationwide ban on all abortions with no exceptions or race or incest. Um, if we added rape and incest exceptions, would you vote for it? Uh, okay, if, uh, I reclaim my time, of course. Uh, well, that exposes the hypocrisy of the left. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible. The book of Numbers tells the story of Israel's wandering in the desert for 40 years. The journey from Egypt to Canaan should have only taken 11 days, but Israel's grumbling and disobedience angered God, and none of the Israelites were allowed to enter the promised land. But God remained faithful and led their children into their inheritance. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. This is Malcolm, who is studying... What are you studying here? Uh, media entrepreneurship. All right, here's my question for you. What is your explanation for the universe? Why is there a creation? Oh, that's deep. Um, <laughs> I mean, I believe in God first. So I believe that he created the universe kind of in his image. Like we all are intended to do certain things. So he created us. We can, we can specifically do the task that we were in place to do. Well, that's a pretty good answer. That's actually a Bible verse. Are you a Christian? Yes, sir. Yeah, that's Ephesians 2, 7, by the way, what you just quoted, that God created the universe really for one purpose, to save sinners and that we would do the works that he prepared beforehand for us. Yes. So that, that's a pretty good Bible answer. Yes. Tell me, why do you believe that? I mean, I believe it because, okay, so let's say like that wasn't true. And then what would the, the real explanation of why we are here be? I mean, <laughs> it would be completely random, kind of. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, yeah, and it would be purposeless, certainly. Yes, yeah, sir. All right. But tell me, you, you sound like you actually believe the Bible. How come? I mean, number one, I was brought up in the church. But then my family, we kind of moved away for a little bit. So that allowed me to kind of go out like on my own and kind of experiment around and then things just wasn't making sense like they was beforehand so that's why i kind of believe in it more now because i kind of saw what it was like without it don't take this the wrong way but you're very odd because most young people who go to church come off to university and they go in the exact opposite direction they don't become more christian they tend to fly away from it so you're very unusual yeah so then let me ask you, Malcolm, as a Christian, if I walked up to you and I said, you know, dude, there's something about you, whatever it is that you have, I'd like to have. So would you please 
teach me what it is that you believe so I can believe the exact same thing? What would you say to me? I don't think it's necessarily that you should believe what I do. I think it's more from the standpoint of you should discover kind of your own path because I don't want to like force Christianity on people. I'm not asking you to force it, but just tell me why you believe what you believe because I'm very interested. So you won't offend me no matter what you say. Okay. Um, you should believe in him because you should believe that you was made with a purpose and that you could be saved from the standpoint because there's a lot of people kind of out there that are doing things that they're not too proud of and they think that oh, they can't be saved because they had all these years of bad stuff behind them. When a lot of people, like, in the church itself, like, if you go, like, you wouldn't really know it, but they all kind of have, not all of them, but a majority of them kind of have, like, their own kind of bad little past. But, yeah, bro, you hit me with the deep questions all over it. Like, <laughs> all right, you said two things. I want to ask you some questions okay. so you can explain it. You used two words that jumped out there. Purpose that I'll have purpose if I believe in God. But Malcolm, if I said to you, you know, I do. I've got a wonderful wife. I've got terrific kids. Live a nice life. Get to go out to eat on occasion. I'm good. I don't need purpose. How would you respond to that? I mean, it seems like that person kind of got it figured out for now. So purpose wouldn't necessarily be a reason to believe what you believe. You used a second word twice. Saved. I'm not sure what you're talking about. That's more from the point of if you believe in heaven and hell. Like when I'm saying saved, I mean from the point of the sins that you've done in the past. And if you believe in heaven and hell that you can like hopefully go to heaven depending upon what you've done. And if you have like kind of given your life to God. If I don't believe in heaven or hell, does that mean I don't need to be saved? Me personally, I believe that person still should be saved. Why? Whether that person doesn't believe or does believe, I believe they should be saved. However, if they don't want to be saved, I don't want to like push it onto that person. I understand that. All right. Let me turn the tables on you. I'm going to ask you to follow me just for a second. I'm a Christian. All right. So I'm going to give you my shot at why you should become a Christian. All right. Who made this microphone? Uh, The guy who. Sure. Yeah. Right. Are you sure that Sure made this microphone? Either he made it or his company made it. I mean, his name. Fair, fair, yeah, that's right. Fair enough. All right. Malcolm, have you ever been to the Sure factory? I have not. Are you 100% sure this microphone was made somewhere by somebody? I mean, it exists, so it has to be made somewhere by somebody. Total agreement. This is too complex for this to just happen by itself. Now, your eyes, which observe this microphone, are more complex by a million times than this microphone. The wiring that then goes into your brain to process this information, have it expressed through your vocal cords, it is a bazillion times more intricately designed than this microphone. So I intuit If somebody made this microphone, even though I haven't seen the maker, I haven't been to the plant, I conclude beyond the shadow of a doubt that we are also made by a maker, that we are created. So I start foundationally. God exists. Fair enough? Fair enough. And that God exists for everybody, whether somebody acknowledges that God or not doesn't make any difference he's still the one who made everything and has ownership rights on everyone fair enough 
Yep. All right. So now I'm trying to figure out who this God is. And I'm asking myself some big questions. Why are we here? What is the point? How do I live? Where am I going when I die? So I try to answer those questions. And here's what I conclude. I know that I have done bad things. You know, you were talking about the bad things that everybody's done. I've got a conscience. It's a courtroom in your brain that says that was not right to do that. You shouldn't have looked at those images. You shouldn't have cheated on the test. You shouldn't have stolen that pen. I just know I've done bad things. Would you agree with that? Yes, sir. So now if I observe the planet, I see courts, I see police, I see judges and a justice system that wrongdoing should be punished. And I think that the maker who made us has given us a conscience, that courtroom in our brain to tell us we've done wrong because we have got ourselves a big problem. We are guilty before God. We are seen as guilty criminals. And God, if he is just, which I get a sense he is because I see and have a sense of justice, he's gonna punish people for their law breaking. And that's why when I die, I've got this nagging feeling this is not going to go well for me. I've got a sin problem. I've got a debt to pay to God and I don't have the ability to pay it. So that's what I figured out so far. There's a maker. He's holy. He's righteous. I'm not. I should be punished. Now I'm going to send the ball over to your side of the net. That's how far we've gotten. You and I are guilty criminals. God should punish us and send us to hell. That's everybody's problem. What did God do so that guilty criminals don't have to go to hell? Can you tell me, Malcolm? Well, like you put stuff in place for us to kind of know what's right from wrong. So I agree. That's your conscience. We concluded that. But you'd agree you're guilty. You've broken God's laws. I mean, I have before. It's impossible not to do it at least once. You not loving God the way we should, taking his name in vain, not being a good child, disobedient to our parents, being angry at people, looking with lust, lying, stealing, yeah. desiring. We've, we've all done it, right? Yeah. All right. So you're, you're a guilty criminal. I'm a guilty criminal. God, he must punish guilty criminals. So now I'm asking you a Christian question. What did God do so that you don't have to be punished by him for eternity. He created heaven, so not to be punished eternally. Well, there's there's a place called hell. It is heaven and hell. You and I should go there. That's what we deserve. We're guilty criminals, correct? I mean, G Jesus died on the cross to save us from that, so. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> I was like, I know he's going somewhere with this. I was like, I'm trying to just figure it out real quick. Yeah. That's yeah. it, that's, that's called the gospel. That's the good news that God died to save sinners because you see if god just lets bad people off the hook he'd be like a judge who lets the axe murderer go or the thief go or the pedophile go just because he's trying to be nice you'd go you're not being nice you are not upholding justice god is going to uphold justice and there's going to be a day in his courtroom for everybody and when the books are open he's going to see the crimes that they've committed not just against people but against him so god must punish sinners but god is good and he's rich in mercy but here's the conundrum if god just lets guilty criminals go he's not just but if god can have the fine that you and i owe satisfied 
paid, then he can let you off the hook because somebody paid your fine. That's what Jesus did for you. He paid your fine. Even though you've broken his laws, he paid your fine so that you could be forgiven and not go to hell, but go to heaven. That's the good news of the gospel. And that is why I think that people should become Christians. You should become a Christian because Jesus is your God and you're going to face him on judgment day and it's not going to be pretty. He's, he's not going to be tender and meek and mild. He's the just judge of all the world, and he's going to send lawbreakers to hell, but he'll save you this day if you'll repent and put your trust in Jesus. That's what I would say to somebody. Are you persuaded? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Hey, I appreciated the chat, no Malcolm. You're a, you're a gentleman. Thank you very much. Transformed, our latest production is available now in the Wretched Store or by visiting transformed.org. This show is like nothing else on Christian TV. You'll witness real biblical counseling sessions with real people dealing with real issues like anxiety, OCD, depression, phobias, and trauma. What you won't see is a secular therapy session or even a Christian counseling session which still uses secular psychology. No, you are going to witness the power of the Bible and work right before your eyes. Real people with real problems being offered real solutions. Hosted by Dr. Greg Gifford, Assistant Professor of Biblical Counseling at The Masters University, and Dr. Dale Johnson, the Executive Director of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors. Transformed, where you'll witness biblical counseling as it takes people from brokenness to wholeness. Visit transformed.org. This is our dear brother, Max, in Ukraine, who's been a Tomorrow Club leader now for almost 20 years, giving us a picture of what is going on currently in Ukraine, specifically regarding the activity of the Tomorrow Clubs, normally kids' clubs where they meet every week to hear the gospel. But right now, those Tomorrow Club leaders are spending their efforts simply trying to minister to people who are in danger, or who have nothing. And our Tomorrow Club leaders in the West are trying to, to meet the needs of those families who had to escape, serving them. It's a good opportunity to show Christ to them in this time of trial. There are many who need the bare necessities of life. Tomorrow Clubs is trying to serve them in that regard. Would you please consider what you might do for Ukrainian believers at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. What's the one question you think we get the most here at Wretched? It's, why do you guys do what you do? And we thought the best person to answer that question was you. Wretched Radio has just really brought me closer to God. Wretched has changed my life. Wretched Radio, you all have done a great job at really bringing joy into our lives. Our goals have always been to preach the gospel, to equip people to preach the gospel, and to strengthen the local church. And when we hear testimonies from real people just like you, we are encouraged. My life will never be the same because of you guys. Through your video, God saved me. Wretched Radio, you encouraged me to walk with the Lord. And we know we would never be able to reach millions of people all over the world with the gospel if it weren't for the support of our gospel partners. If you're not a gospel partner, would you prayerfully consider partnering with Wretched to save the lost and reach millions of people with the gospel? Just log on to wretched.org slash donate to get all of the information you could ever want to know about becoming a gospel partner. That's wretched.org slash donate. 
important dates in Christian history. 270 AD. A wealthy young man named Antony gives away his possessions and begins life as a hermit. Disciples follow his example and the first monastic movement began. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Am I trying to be obnoxious? This is Wretched Radio. You might agree that I actually am obnoxious, but the question in this witness encounter with a young lady named Kenya, am I trying to be obnoxious? Am I trying to be nitpicky? Am I trying to ask too many questions? Just lighten up. She says that she's a believer. Just let it go. It is not mean to probe, especially when you get the feeling that an individual's ability to articulate the reason for the hope that lies within them is is just not strong. Now, I'm not saying if it's not a robust defense of the faith, an explanation of their conversion story, right motives, all of those things. And, and I'm not saying that it automatically means they're not saved. But is there anything more important in a witness encounter with somebody who professes to be a Christian, then helping them to know whether they are or are not, isn't it really a kindness to question them? Besides, a true believer wouldn't care. I I like to think that if you approached me and said, "Hey, what what are what's your religion? What's your worldview?" and you started probing and asking questions, that wouldn't bother. I remember this vividly. Mark Dever. I was at a conference in Washington, D.C. years ago, first time I met him. It wasn't as big a deal back then. Didn't know who he was. So I said, who are you? He said, I'm, I'm, I'm Mark Dever. I said, well, what do you do? He said, I'm a pastor at Capitol Hill Baptist Church. He said, who are you? And I said, I'm Todd. What do you do? Host a radio program in Minneapolis. Are you born again? What? I said, why, why, why did you ask me that? I, would, wouldn't you assume we're at a Christian conference? And he said, I never assume I always want to know that somebody is saved. He wasn't a jerk. He wasn't obnoxious. It is actually a kindness, a joy, this encounter with Kenya, where I tried to not be obnoxious, but actually care. Kenya, I have a very philosophical question for you. Are you ready? When you look around... Do you ever see things that are really nice, beautiful things, lovely sunsets, people being kind? Do you ever experience those things? Yes. Do you ever experience or see bad things or evil behavior? Not really, no. Do you watch the evening news? Not really. (laughs) But you know that people do bad things, bad things happen, correct? Yes. How would you explain the existence of both good things and bad things, beautiful things and evil things? Do you have an explanation for why those things coexist? Um... Well, I think good things because God is good. So we strive to be good like God so we can be with him. But like bad things, that's just during the trials and tribulations of our life. So you believe in God. Are you a Christian? Yes. All right. So from your Christian worldview, how would you explain to me why why okay if god exists then why is there good stuff and why is there bad stuff why isn't it all just good because um not everyone believes in god so they might not believe in the same things as you do so that might put like you through trials and tribulations 
right? You said that we do good things to get to God. Is that how you said it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so how much good do I need to do to get to God? Um, I don't think it's about doing as much. It's like not doing what's wrong, like thinking about your actions before you do them. And then if you do do something wrong, then repent. All right. And what is what does that mean? Like being asked for your forgiveness for your sins, you know? Okay. And do they just get taken care of? How do, how do, the, how do those go away? Um, God forgives you, so it just washes clean. How come? Because you're forgiven. <laughs> okay. But I'm just thinking, if I say to a judge, if I were brought in by the police, I had broken some laws... And I said to the judge, I'm really sorry. And if he just dismissed my case, he'd be a bad judge. So how is it that God forgives people when they say they're sorry? Um, uh, he can look into your actions, you know. And like judges, their job is to protect the people. So if they feel like you're doing wrong and you can hurt yourself and others, and obviously you're going to have to go to jail. But it's different, I guess. But if, I, if I'm if i a guilty criminal mm-hmm. and I say to God, I'm sorry, and he just kind of lets it go, isn't that unjust? No. Not if you mean it. All right. I'm just, I'm, help me out with this, Kenya. So if I say to the judge... I really, really mean it. I know I shouldn't have punched that person in the nose, done 90 in a school zone, taken that money from my employer. I'm really, 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 really sorry. If he forgives my my debt, isn't he being unjust? Doesn't somebody need to pay my penalty, pay for the fine, pay justice for the crimes that I've committed? You would pay. How? You go to jail. All right. So from your Christian worldview standpoint, don't you have to pay and go to jail too? Uh, yeah. That's why people go to hell. If I stand before God, all right, let's just say I die. He takes my life and he opens up the books on my life or he opens up the books on your life and he sees that you and I have both lied. We've both perhaps cheated, dishonored our parents, maybe taken God's name in vain, looked with lust, been angry at people. He knows all those crimes. And if you and I just say, yeah, I know I, I did all, all those bad things, but I'm really sorry. That, that just isn't going to fly. If he's just, he's got to say, look, you might be sorry, but you've broken the law and there is a punishment for lawbreakers. Wouldn't he just send everybody to hell no why not because being forgiven for your sins doesn't just mean saying i'm sorry it means like letting god in your heart and actually meaning it okay how's about this kenya from a christian perspective where does jesus christ fit into your worldview in this scenario of a courtroom that we've been discussing everywhere how because he's like always making stuff happen in my life all the stuff i've been through all the trials and tribulations everything 
what about him dying on a cross? Yeah, he did that so I would be able to be forgiven for my sins. There we go. Right? Wouldn't wouldn't that be the kind, wealthy one paying the debt of the criminal pauper that Jesus paid the punishment for our crimes when he died on the cross? Isn't that what happened there? Mm-hmm. Isn't that why we can be forgiven by God? Because Jesus satisfied our debt? Yes. So we can be forgiven by God, not merely because we say we're sorry, which we should, but because Jesus is kind, he stepped into the courtroom and said, Your Honor, I love Kenya. I want to pay her fine. I'm going to take the punishment she deserves upon myself so that she can be forgiven and her court case can be dismissed and justice can be satisfied. Isn't that how God can forgive sinners? Yes. So that's kind of a crucial deal. So here's a question for you. I don't know you, but let's say I sat down next to you and you said, Jesus Christ took the punishment that you deserve. You're telling it to this guy in the red shirt. And I said, I'm interested in that. I'd like to I'd like to have my sins forgiven by God so I don't have to go to hell. How do I get forgiven, Kenya? What would you say? Um, I would just say just to read more in your Bible and just let God in your heart. How's about this? I come up to you because I have got a knife stuck in the middle of my back. I can't get it out. I am going to be dead in a minute. And I say, Kenya, what must I do to be forgiven by God? I'm terrified to die. I don't have time to read my Bible. What must I do to be saved? What would you tell me? Let him in your heart. What does that mean? Just ask for forgiveness. Okay. And why would God forgive me for asking for forgiveness? Because he's good. And because Jesus died for me, right? Yeah. Isn't the biblical term repent? Isn't that what somebody must do to be saved? They must turn from their sins and put their faith in Jesus Christ. And God says, if you trust in my son and what he did for you, I can forgive you on the basis of his good works. That's how you can be forgiven in an instant. Would you agree with that? Yes. So have you done that? Yes. All right. So you've repented, put your trust in Jesus. Why? Um, well, from a young age, I've always went to church and I went my parents and when I was like seven. I was like, I really want to get baptized. I really want to just put all my faith in Jesus. And they let me. And ever since then, I've been saved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So your sins are forgiven because you trusted in Jesus. Yes. Cool. All right. Hey, thank you. And thank you for hopefully not thinking I was just being mean until tomorrow. Go serve your king.